0: We're going to jump in to uh, this idea of dating and marriage, and essentially they have one purpose, and that's what we're going to be talking about. You're going to see as we get to that, but essentially they have one purpose. So let me start it this way. There's nothing in the Bible about dating, and if you're taking notes, this is going to be one where you're going to want to take a lot of notes because I'm going to try to be very practical, and I promise like what I'm sharing here, I believe wholeheartedly, and not only do I believe it, but I lived it, that what I'm sharing with you is from the scriptures, but it's also the way Sarah and I chose to go about our relationship. I'm not saying it's absolutely the only way. I do think it's the best way. But my hope is that if you're in this room and you're thinking about entering into a relationship, or you hope someday to be into a relationship, or maybe you're even in a relationship right now, my hope is that you would take some notes and maybe you need to do a course correct in your relationship right now. Or maybe you're thinking about asking this girl, and my hope is that this would be some, some caution for you and some support and some encouragement for you on how to go about that. Because you guys, we have got to do a better job as Christians. I've talked with many young women in this room who have been hurt by Christian guys, who have been taken advantage of by Christian guys. And I've talked with some guys in this room who you've been mistreated by the girls that you're in relationships with. And we as Christians, we have to do better. We have to be a light to the world. And so we're gonna jump into that. There's nothing in the Bible about dating, okay? I don't know if that's a surprise to you. Maybe some of you are thinking like, the Bible has instructions about dating. It doesn't because dating is a new invention. Dating is something that's happened in our culture recently. It wasn't really a part of the scriptures, and so there's nothing in the Bible about dating, but there is a ton in the Bible about relationships. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at a lot of scripture that talks about relationships. And we're going to try to extrapolate it, and we're going to try to dissect it a little bit and translate it and apply it to dating relationships. What I'm about to say to I think maybe only 1% of people have ever applied. So, my hope and my encouragement is that after tonight, you really think seriously about the kind of relationships that you're entering into. And my hope would be that you would apply this. Here's one fact I wanna share. You can't always choose who you're attracted to. You can't always choose who you're attracted to, but you can choose who you date. This is so, so important. In our culture, it is basically assumed that if you think he's hot or if she's your type, that that means you should date, and that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is the the worst advice ever. Just because you're attracted to them, it does not mean that you should date them. And I want to empower you students that just because your feelings tell you you want to be with that person, it doesn't mean you have to. I want you to take more ownership of your relationships. I want you to think long and hard about the kinds of people you want to be with. So just because you're attracted to somebody, it doesn't mean you have to date them. And you, in fact, have a choice. So here are four steps I'm gonna give you. Four steps to dating with a game plan, to dating with a design, to having some kind of strategy behind the game. You see, the, the, the Broncos and Panthers. I'm really into sports. I listen to podcasts. Do you think, do you think that Peyton Manning stepped on the field that afternoon and said, I'm just gonna wing it. Maybe he did. It worked for him. Anyway, do you think that any great accomplishment in business or in in country's military or in your relationships will happen by chance? No. You see, if you want to succeed relationally, you've got to have a design You've got to have a game plan. You've got to have a strategy. Here are the four strategies. Number one, fix your eyes. Number two, check the price tag. Number three, be intentional. Intentional. And number four, have a game plan. So stick with me. Here we go. Step one is fix your eyes. Hebrews 12, one to two. And let us run. With perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the first thing you need to get in your mind, and we talked about this a lot in week one of Relationship Goals, and it's this. Before you ever begin a relationship with somebody else, make sure you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hebrews, the, the author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes. As if that's your soul focus. As if that's exactly where you're going. As if all your energies are going in that direction. You see, so many of us waste so much time trying to make things work with this person or that person when all the while God is going, it begins with me. You gotta first fix your eyes. You gotta first be intimate and close with me. If you wanna even understand what relationships are all about, you have to begin with the relational God who created relationships. Don't go looking for a definition of relationship somewhere where you won't find it. But chase God. Seek him first. First. Ladies, this is the kind of guy you want to look for. That as you're thinking about dating, the first thing you want to look for is this, is this guy, are his eyes fixed on Christ. Don't settle for anything less. Gentlemen, when you meet that girl, and she's perfect, and she's awesome, and she's like, everything you've ever dreamed of, before you even begin falling into that path, ask yourself, are her eyes fixed on Jesus? That's step number one, fix your eyes on Jesus. Step number two is this, check the price tag. I love this story, I share this every year. My sister Jenny, um, it's actually my, my wife's sister Jenny, she was out of anthropology once. Anybody know what anthropology is? Abby, you love that place, huh? Okay, so here's the deal. Here, a quick synopsis on anthropology. Anthropology sells everything from like doorknobs to shirts. To The doorknobs cost like $500. The shirts cost like $2,000. It's ridiculous, right? But here's the thing. Their stuff is so stinking cute, so I've been told. It's like really awesome stuff. And it's so awesome, and, and, and girls, and they, like my wife loves it. She loves anthropology, and so on this one specific day, my sister Jenny and her sisters, my wife included, they run into anthropology, and they start putting on all these clothes, and they're like whipping these scarves around them, and they're like loving it, and it's amazing, but Jenny doesn't. Jenny kind of sits back and watches, and then she leans over and she says this to me. Check the price tag before you try it on It'll save you a lot of heartache Check the price tag before you try it on It'll save you a lot of heartache You see, there are a lot of people that you shouldn't date My first uh, girlfriend, um, I was in uh, uh, seventh grade, I think And um, I just hope she never sees this Um, Her name was Felicia (laughs) That's not why, that's not why hold on hold on and Felicia and I hold on hold on Shh. Felicia so some of you look at me right now and you're like Eric you're like the you like the definition of man well back then I wasn't and so back then I was a little bit smaller a little bit more awkward when I got my driver's license I was five foot two okay so that was at 16 so I was like five foot tall Felicia had a growth spurt early and she was at least six feet tall so there's a good head distance between Felicia and I Felicia and I we start dating like right off the bat like I find out that she kind of likes me and I'm like again there's a miracle boom got a pounce. so Felicia and I start dating you know what happens like a few days into that I like, I couldn't stand that I had to like stare like up to look her in the eyes. You know what I mean? I was like, this girl and I are not a good fit. The things she liked to talk about, I didn't like to talk about, I thought were boring. We went to kiss each other. <laughs> we went to kiss each other. I'm, I'm scared to say this, but you're my family, so I love you. She had a little mustache, okay? And I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, listen up. This is what I'm saying. Felicia and I, hold on, stay with me, stay with me. Felicia and I were not a good match from the get go. If I had taken time to check the price tag and what I mean by that is if I had taken time to get to know her, we probably could have been friends and realize that we shouldn't have dated. There's many of you who you are you have dated people or you man this is going to get offensive. You are dating somebody that you should not be with. That you're in a relationship with that person and it's going downhill quick and it's full of drama and it's full of tension and the reality is you're dating a Felicia when you should have checked the price tag a long time ago. And I want I want to encourage you because this this is actually really really important. This is really, really important. When Sarah came on the scene, she was no Felicia. (laughs) She was like, like the fact that she even looked at me, the fact that she like texted me and didn't block me, I mean, I was losing my mind, okay, as like a 20-year-old man boy. Like I was just losing it. But I made a decision early on. I made a decision early on I said you know what I'm crazy about this girl and I would like this to move faster but we're going to become friends first and so Sarah and I and this is, this is us I was, I was 20 years old Sarah was 22 so I was a little bit older than you guys and for six months for six months we didn't hold hands we didn't cuddle We didn't kiss. I don't know what else there is to do. We didn't do that. (laughs) For six months, I'm telling you, listen to this. For six months, you know what we worked on? Our friendship. We worked on our friendship. You guys live in a culture that races so quickly into dating. And you miss out on the friendship. Sarah and I have an amazing relationship. Full of romance. Full of awesomeness. Full of joy and laughter. But you know what is my favorite thing about Sarah? It's our friendship. It's the thing that remains. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Do not date somebody until you become best friends with them for six months. I'm just going to say it. That's my challenge to you. Do not date somebody until you are friends with them for six months because through that six months, you are going to get to know them. You are going to find out what they're all about. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to challenge you. I remember driving to, uh, to Sarah's house um, to kind of pick her up for like, you know, we'd go hang out, we'd go do whatever. Um, I, I remember driving to her house to pick her up. And I remember as we were driving, I would think to myself, okay, what's a funny story that happened this week? What's something I can, like, wow her with, you know? Like, what's some cool, like, political thing I can say or, like, some, some statistic about the economy or, like, how can I make her think I am not who I really am? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm constantly asking myself. And I remember this. I, I literally felt the Lord say to me. He said, stop focusing on being witty and focus on honoring her. Gentlemen, there's some of you in this room, and may this convict you, there's some of you in this room who you are dating a girl or you are interested in a girl purely for how she is going to be able to physically satisfy you. Ladies, maybe there's some of you that you're in that same place as well. And you know what as Christian men and Christian women you're called to do? You are called to honor one another. Proverbs thirty-one, thirty-one. honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Would these be the words that an outsider would use to describe the way you're befriending somebody? Is that girl or that boy that you have the hots for, are you honoring them with your thoughts? Are you honoring them with the way you're pursuing them? Are you interested in just flirting and getting to know them so that you guys can hook up later? Or are you really diving into a friendship, trying to find out who this person is? Ladies, do not settle for any guy who is not willing to get to know you for six months before getting to kiss you. Come on. Come on, ladies, let's do that. I mean, not let's, because I'm not one of you, but let's, you should do that. Girls. Do not settle for some total dirtbag who just wants to use your body. You are better than that. You were made in the image of God. So, gentlemen, when you're into that girl, here's what you need to tell yourself. I'm going to become friends with her for six months before we move past anything The next step in checking that price tag is actually using some discernment. So let's say you're friends with this person and as you're friends with them, those feelings continue to grow. You continue to sense that you wanna be with this person. The next thing you need to do is begin to discern whether this person is right for you. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Here's what discern means. To look closely with full attention and to perceive. To distinguish something with difficulty by sight. I love this definition because when you are like in puppy love and you are crazy about this person, it can be difficult to really see what's going on. And so part of discernment is this, bringing an adult in and bringing some friends in, bringing people that you trust where you say, hey, I'm not looking for advice on how to move forward in this relationship. I'm asking for you to speak into whether you think this is a good idea or not. Students, are you at the place in your relationship with the Lord where if one of your adult leaders who you respect and who you love, or if you ask me and I tell you, it's not a good idea, you're not ready for that, she's not the right girl, he's not the right guy, would you listen? Are you at a place where you really want to live a wise life, where you want to live life with no regrets, Are you at that place where you would really listen to the Christian friends in your life and the adult leaders you have? Would you be willing to listen? I'm getting a call. Would you be willing to listen to them? And part of that discerning process is asking the question, is this person in a relationship with Jesus? Scripture's pretty clear. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Paul's idea here is if they don't love Jesus, don't date him. Missionary dating, bad idea. Horrible idea. Sometimes it works, right? And you hear those stories, and you thinking, oh, that's that's me. That is the exception. That's not the rule. I can't tell you how many times a week having Jesus at the center of Sarah and I's marriage saves us from fights, from disconnecting from one another. You think about how do we spend our money, Sarah and Eric, how, how do we spend our time with our kids, what are our values, what's important to us? Jesus is at the very center of that. So maybe a few questions ask yourself is, does this person love Jesus? Like, do they really, really love Jesus? If they don't, back off. If they don't, check out of it. Don't even go farther than that. I love it, too. Some of you guys will ask me, and I'll be like, "Are you, you tell me that you're in a relationship. I'm like, oh, what's it like? How's it going? And you're like, oh, he's so perfect. He's so smart. He does his blah, blah. And then I ask you, I'm like, well, is he a Christian? Does he love Jesus? And you're like, he went to church last year once. He knows how to spell Jesus. I think he's saved. Like, I've literally heard these from you guys. You know, we're like, oh, he was baptized when he was 0.5 years old. So yeah, he's good, he's good. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about somebody who loves Jesus. What do the Christian adults in your life think? What do your Christian friends think? This is why it's really significant. Sarah and I know people in our lives who dated people who didn't share a relationship with Jesus. And you know what we found? That maybe if one person really loves Jesus and the other one doesn't, this person doesn't grow in their relationship with Christ, they end up becoming weaker and less committed and less connected. And so if you really wanna continue growing in your relationship with Christ, you gotta be with somebody who loves Jesus. What do your Christian friends think? And then finally, maybe answer these two questions. Is this relationship, this is so important, I was just talking with some students about this recently, is this relationship good for me and is this relationship good for them? I want you to really think through those questions. Maybe you're in an absolutely great place, but this person just became a Christian, or this person is going through some crazy stuff in their life, and what they need more than anything is a friend, or maybe they don't even love Jesus. For you to say, is this relationship good for me, and then to really ask yourself this question, is this relationship good for them? I recognize that all that I'm talking about right here, this this is why you have to take six months, because it takes time to sort through all this stuff but you are gonna save yourself so much baggage and pain. Step three is this, be intentional. So this is the part, once you've gone through six months, and once you've discerned that this person is somebody that you wanna date, people are affirming it, they love Jesus, how do you go about that? Number one is this. Address the elephant in the room. So if you and this person, you know, you're like, you're like walking, you're like in the mall or whatever, and all of a sudden, like, your pinkies touch, and you feel like that, electricity, you know, or all of a sudden, like you're walking across the street and there's a bus coming by and he's like, boom, you know what I mean? Stops you and you're like, you're like, take your breath away. You know what I mean? Like like when those signs are coming up and you're like crazy about this person, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to be intentional and talk about the elephant in the room. Communication, communication, communication. Ladies, I know this is true for you, so I'm gonna share this with gentlemen. Gentlemen, ladies do not want to try to be mind readers. They do not want to try to think, they do not want to try to pretend and navigate what you're actually thinking. They want to know what you're thinking. And so communicate with each other. Talk about that elephant in the room. Tell them how you feel. Tell them what you see in them. Tell them why you are sharing this now. This one goes out specifically to the guys. I want to encourage you. Man, if... If you're crazy about this girl and you've been together for six months and you're friends and whatever, and then you like text her and you're like, how do you feel about me? So lame. Like that's so lame and stupid. Like girls, if he does that, you delete him. You're done with him. That's over. That thing is over. He is not ready to be in a relationship with you. No more texting about this stuff. But guys, I want to encourage you to pull this girl aside. Maybe write out some notes and ideas. Don't just wing it. Think through what you would want to communicate. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. A woman's heart, I love this by C.S. Lewis, a woman's heart should be so close to God that a man should have to chase him to find her. This next big idea is date in a way that's Honorable. Date in a way that the world, your friends would look at you and they would see Jesus. For Sarah and I, this was kind of our like vision for our dating relationship. And what's been awesome, the reason we titled this Dating and Marriage One Purpose is because it's actually the exact same purpose for marriage. Some of you, this is going to like really hurt your feelings, but Jesus says that in heaven, nobody's married anymore. Yeah, that sucks. So so Sarah and I, according to scripture, will not necessarily, we won't be married in heaven. So there's gotta be a bigger purpose behind marriage than to fulfill some like notebook fantasy of what life is really all about. Like It's gotta point to something. And so for Sarah and I, this triangle was so huge for us. We said, look, here's Sarah, here's me, here's God. What if our relationship was always aimed at helping one another grow closer to Jesus? What would that look like? So here's the steps. And I want to challenge our guys. This is for you. Maybe kind of old-fashioned, but here are the steps. Number one, ask permission from her parents. If you will not do that, you should not be dating. I'm just going to say it. If you will not ask her parents' permission, you do not belong in the dating world. When Sarah and I started dating, I was 20 years old. I called every one of her sisters and I called her parents. And I said, hey, I want you to know I really care about your daughter, your sister. And I wanna be in a relationship with her. I wanna ask her to be my girlfriend. And I said, do I have your permission to do that? Because the last thing I wanted to do is enter into this relationship and create some kind of division. And so, gentlemen, I want to challenge you that if you're thinking about dating this girl and you have not talked to her parents, then you have started in a horrible place. Now, there may be some, some exceptions where maybe parents aren't around. Find some adult who loves and cares for her and talk with that adult first and get their blessing and get their permission. I did the same thing when I asked Sarah to marry me. I talked with her sisters and I talked with her parents as well. Number two is this. Know what you want to say. Think through how you want to ask this girl to be your girlfriend. Be creative. Be fun about it. I took Sarah up to this really cool view, and um, she didn't know I was coming, so she walked out of this performance, and, and I was like, hey, it's me, and I was there, and then Sarah's like, whoa, weirdo, and I was like, I'm going to ask you something. So anyways, we got in the car, and I, I had her favorite ice cream, and we went up to this really cool view, and as we got up there to the top of this view, I gave her this ice cream, and then I told her this. I said, hey, Sarah, I uh, talked with your sisters today. And I talked to your parents today. She was like, oh, what'd you say? And I said, I asked them if I could ask you to be my girlfriend. And they said yes. <laughs> so you should probably say yes. And I said, hey, Sarah, you're, I'm crazy about you. You're awesome. You're amazing. You know how I feel about you because I've told you before, will you be my girlfriend? She said yes. Um, make it meaningful. Commit together to make Christ the center. Literally, after you have that conversation, after you have that conversation, say, hey, we're gonna make a commitment that Jesus is gonna be the center of this relationship, that we will be all about growing closer together with Christ. We will not try to fulfill some void in each other's lives, but we together will grow closer to Christ. And number five, Establish physical boundaries. This is so huge and so critical. Make a decision and say, you know what, we're gonna gonna come up with some boundaries. Like, we're just gonna talk about it. And maybe that's getting another adult involved might be a really good idea. But to have a conversation and say, look, we're gonna talk about how we are not gonna cross these lines because we wanna honor God with our bodies like we talked about last week. Don't just say, oh, I assume that we're on the same page. Or, oh, he'd never go that far with me. Oh, she'd never wanna go that far with me. No, no, no. Have a conversation. Set those physical boundaries so that you guys can honor Christ with your relationship. Honoring her brings glory to God. And lastly, share your decision with at least one adult. Step number four is have a game plan. Ask one adult and one friend to hold you accountable. You're looking for somebody that you can be honest with and someone that you will let speak truthfully to you who's one adult and who's one Christian friend who you say, hey, I want you to see our relationship. I want you to know what's going on and I want you to speak into our relationship. It should not be you and this girl, you and this guy by yourself, but who can speak into your life? Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Have these three focuses. If you're in a relationship right now, these should be your three focuses in this order. Number one, seek Jesus first. Number one, that, that's like that doesn't stop, right? That's not just for single people. That's not just for dating people. That's for everybody. Seek Jesus first. Never take your eyes off of Christ. Give him full authority over your life. Step two is this. Keep your friends close. We all know this has happened. There is nothing worse than two people that are so social and so fun, and all of a sudden they date, and it's like, boom, they hibernate. You know what I mean? You're like, where did they go? You know what I mean? Like, you, got, you have no idea where these people went, and they isolate, and then what happens? 99% of high school relationships fail, sorry, and they fail, and then you're left with no support. You have no friends, And so I want to challenge you, if you're dating somebody, you need to keep your friends close. Don't ditch your friends. Keep them close. And number three is this, honor God together. I've challenged many of you with this. I'm going to challenge you to ask this question. In everything you do together, are you honoring God? Are you honoring God in everything that you do? We're wrapping up, you guys. Here we go. I'm going to share those with you later. I'll share those on Sunday. All right, this is the last one. If you're afraid of relationships, know this, singleness should be prized, not pitied. Singleness should be prized, not pitied. In the scriptures, there is so much talk about the benefit of singleness. Don't search for your identity and worth in a boy or in a girl. Find it in fixing your eyes on Christ and who Jesus says you are. And remember that singleness should be prized, not pitied. And so if you're in this room, let, let, me, let me share this with you. I never dated any girls in high school. Not really by my choice. It just kind of happened. <laughs> but I didn't date any girls in high school. Singleness should be prized, not pitied. Number two is this. Learn from the great relationships around you. If your small group leader is in a relationship with somebody, ask them tons of questions about that. Be bold and say, hey, how are you guys not having sex before marriage? How are you doing that? Say, hey, how are, you keeping, how are you keeping your relationship with Jesus at the center of your relationship? You students need to understand this. You need to do a better job of asking your adult leaders questions. We would love to share our lives with you. And so find great relationships that you admire and ask those people questions. And lastly, this time is your friend, not your enemy. If you graduate high school and you don't have your first kiss, like you're not going to explode the day after graduation. You're going to be Okay. If you graduate high school and you haven't dated somebody, kind of works out, so you're okay. <laughs> know that time is your friend, it's not your enemy. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we jump into our small groups tonight, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be really honest and vulnerable about where we're at, about what we think about these four steps. God, we want to honor you with our life. We want to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We want to check the price tag and become friends and discern. God, we want to be intentional in the way we go about relationships. And lastly, God, we want to have a game plan. We want to honor you with our relationships, Jesus. Would you help us to do that? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.